Play action, looking for a wide open receiver, and it's a touchdown for Trey Burton. Lost it to the back of the end zone, no struggles today. A second touchdown, this one to Robinson. Got good for this game. And a touchdown to Cole. Nothing tricky about that. And another open man. This one is Joshua Bellamy. Four touchdown passes for Mitchell Trubisky. And a give it to Gabriel who finds the end zone. Three down and go. They try the same play again. And this time a touchdown to Taylor Gabriel. The sixth touchdown pass in this game for Trubisky who in 12 starts a year ago through seven. A lot of new faces, a lot of new positions, and it's going to be interesting to see how Fred and the coaching staff decides to play everybody. Welcome back, everybody, to the legendary Seas Podcast. We know you missed us. Again, I'm Chris. I'm here with Jordan. What's going on? Welcome back, everybody. Welcome. The legendary Seas Podcast is back. Just in time to give some helpful advice to some of our favorite Chicago players. This goes out to you, Javi Baez. Oh, Hope you paid you. your Netflix bill. Here you go. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming, yeah. And now move over, White Sox fans. We're going to sit down with you and watch the playoffs, unfortunately. Bittersweet. Bittersweet. Yeah. Well, at least you got to see what an MVP looks like this weekend. <laughs> you know what? I can't even at you, at you coming at me. I, I knew that the daggers were coming. It's all good, man. Kudos to Kristen Yelich, brother. Kristen Yelich was a man on a mission. I don't think he stopped hitting now. Like, I don't think that a man has missed a baseball since two months ago. And that was the big difference between Javi and him. Javi was cooling off. Christian was getting hot, and he's still hot. So, and then on top of that, they took the division in the last game of the season, well, the extra game of the season, and then now they're in the playoffs, and now the Cubs aren't. So, can't be mad about what obviously is going to happen. He's got to be getting the MVP. So, uh, kudos to him. Yeah, I mean, it was a successful season by the Chicago Cubs. It was some ups and downs, and apparently Theo is mad. Oh, Theo doesn't play. Theo is a a hungry, hungry like dog. He 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 does not accept just okay. Ninety five wins usually is a very good season for most MLB teams, but when you are supposed to be like well, when record wise, you the NL for the whole year until the last game of the season. And then you don't even protect your home in that game to break the tie. And then you don't protect your home the very next night against a Colorado Rocky team. I'm pretty sure he is mad. So you know that he's going to do everything he can to make this team even more better. 
which is scary. I'm looking forward to next year. Yes, I'm bitter. Yes, I'm sour a little bit about them not being able to make the uh, uh, a full playoff run. You know, I don't consider the wild card game a playoff game. That's just my opinion. That's that's like the get in or get out game. But man, that's why I have full trust in Theo. Theo is going to get right back on the horse. He's going to get whoever he needs to. Whether I hope that's Bryce Harper or whatever he needs to do to make this team better and make it better quick. I know Joe has one more year. They said already he's going to come back, but they will not give him a contract extension until he has to prove himself for the next year, which I totally agree with. So we'll see. We will see, man. So when you, what, what would Joe have to do to retain that spot? When you look at the Cubs roster, what do you realistically expect? And, and this is, this is not a loaded question or anything. What do you realistically expect when you look up and down that roster? I expect him to be a better game manager. Sometimes Joe outthinks Joe. Joe is so creative and very, very good. He's one of the top managers in the league. That's to be undenied. But he outthinks himself too much. Prime example, John Lester was dealing in that game uh, uh the day I believe I'm trying to think the game. Yeah. The game that was the elimination, the wild card game. He was dealing and he took him out. I believe in either the sixth inning, there was no reason for him to take him out. I understand the situation. I won't sit here and act like you, you, you were in a position to score a run. So you, you, you sacrificed a chance for him to come back out because you were in a position to score a run. So I get it. You, you had to do what you had to do. That's why you get paid, because you got to make tough decisions like that. But at the same time, John Lester, again, was dealing. And he was nowhere near pitching. Uh, uh, he, I don't think he had anywhere close to 100 pitches yet. So he could have gone a few more innings at the least. John Lester is a gamer, especially in the pivotal moments in the playoff atmosphere. He is a gamer. And then you go to Justin Wilson. Justin Wilson has not proven himself. He's, he's been okay this year compared to last year when we got him. But Justin Wilson has underperformed ever since we got him. For who he was supposed to be and what he was at Detroit on the Tigers, Justin Wilson hasn't done what he was supposed to do. And so you give him the chance to try and hold down the team, and they score two runs in the top of the eighth. That right there, that, 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 that blew me. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what he was thinking, he's too much of a thinker when it comes to games. Just let your team play. I want to see that next year. I want to see him stop overthinking things, stop taking people out of the game, meaning pitchers, earlier than they need to. Let them get a feel for if they want to come out or not. They should know, okay, I'm not having a good game. I'll come out. I know I'm probably a detriment to the team. I just don't have it this this time, this, uh, this, this go-round. Let me sit down and see if the relievers can take over and, and hopefully get us to a W. So I, I need to see Joe make better decisions, get a lineup that's a little bit more solid. I personally don't like the whole mixing and matching lineup. I need you to get a solid leadoff hitter. Make sure that's concrete. Don't keep switching around people when Schwarber is a leadoff hitter, then Rizzo, then Daniel Murphy, then Jason Hayward. Like, make that solid and then get the rest of the lineup together. So as you can see, that's what I'm bothered by. I'm talking for a long time about this, but that is what I've been bothered by is Joe's inability to just 
stay out of his own head, stay out of his own way. So on this team, on this roster, who's your leadoff hitter? On this team, well, uh, I would say Daniel Murphy. Daniel Murphy is a patient hitter. He's a very good hitter. Uh, obviously, we, we we talked about this with the averages he's put up. He's one of the best uh, uh, contact hitters in the game, uh, according to stats. And just by the eye test, you know he can hit to all fields. So I think having someone like that lead off, unless they get somebody else, uh, that was to, to the uh, equivalency or better of a Dexter Fowler. That's an uh, that's a typical or ideal looking leadoff hitter. I would say Daniel Murphy or Ben Zobris. Uh, even though Ben Zobris, he's really not an everyday player, so it would probably have to be Murphy. So looking at Murphy, I just don't think he's a leadoff hitter. I don't think the Cubs have a leadoff hitter on their roster. And I and I know Joe likes to play the lineup game. And there was talk about the players are really frustrated because they don't know where they're going to hit from day to day. I mean, but all that talent, all that talent, you have a, you have a Daniel Murphy who's used to hitting in the middle of the lineup. You have a Rizzo, you have a Bryant, you have a Schwarber, you have a ton of guys who should probably be hitting in the middle of the lineup. So somebody's going to have to hit out of spot, out of position. You got to have Hayward in. You don't want him at the top of your lineup because he's a he's not a good hitter and he strikes out. So you can't have him at the top of your lineup and everybody else is built for the middle of the lineup. Yeah. So I, you have no table setters. You got table cleaners, but you have no table setters. And I know it sounds old timey, old school baseball. But I think Joe, throughout the entire year, even though the Cubs had points where their offense was hot and they were cooking, but I think Joe throughout the year had to figure out how to – I think he was trying to keep everybody happy, you know, get so many middle-of-the-order at-bats and so many – you know, he had to try to balance that out. And I think that, you know, Joe is to blame for a lot of things. He does have a tendency to underuse starters and overuse relievers. But – Joe is is working with the pot of stew he was given. Theo can get on the on the radio and and, and ran on the interviews all he wants, but who's putting the players out there? I can only make a lineup of the players you give me. And you have good players, you just you just don't have a a solid team you can put together. You have a collection of players, I think. And it was good enough to get the best record in baseball, but you know, come playoff time when everything slows down, everything honkers down, and every run means something. You know, you have to make that tough decision where you're sitting there, okay, should I leave Lester in or should I go and get this run because my team has scored five runs in the last week? So Joe has some tough decisions to make. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I would never want to be in his shoes. Uh, I like to play GM every now and then and manager every now and then. But realistically, I would not want to be in that position. I mean, that's a tough decision because you're danged if you do and you're danged if you don't. Because if you do switch out, you know, a John Lester in that situation, it works out, then you're good. You're the smartest man on the planet or you look like it. But when it doesn't work out, then you're criticizing your question. Well, why did you take out a guy that you know is always up for those big moments? He always seems to find a way to get it done. And, and he has a great track record. So, 
you know, that those things, they're, they're going to be critiqued and, and, and nitpicked and, and micromanaged all, all the time, every time. Baseball, as you know, is a, is a game of runs and highs and lows. Cubs just didn't have it. I felt that when maybe two months ago, it, it, it seemed like they were just kind of like sputtering to the, to the finish line. You know, every now and then they get a good four or five game win streak, but it wasn't like how the Boston Red Sox were, you know, just just completely blowing people out of the water or, or the Cubs of 2016 where they were just killing folks. And it was obvious, OK, this is the team that everybody has to be aware of this time. It, it wasn't like that. And, you know, just to give a little bit of an excuse, a little because it really isn't in my book still. Chris Bryant was nowhere near healthy. I think that would have made the biggest difference. We wouldn't be talking about this right now, and the Cubs would be playing right now. And then you have a, a, a person you paid a bajillion dollars to who didn't even get a chance to pitch the whole season almost, and you Darvish. So that was a dud. Then you had Tyler Chatwood, who was supposed to be a legit fifth uh, uh, starter, back back of the rotation starter, and he was a dud, couldn't even cut it as a relief pitcher. Then you have Brandon Morrow, who is a beastie closer when he's out there. But as you know, he has injury uh, issues, a history of issues with his arm and the shoulder and other issues that come up, nagging injuries. So, so now you're dealing with that. So now you got to figure out, well, how can we patch all this stuff up? Because next year – just like it's inevitable with any other sport and any other team, there's going to be some sort of injury somewhere with someone that's pivotal to your team. They have a collection of really, really good talent. But the more and more this goes on, that talent is going to get older and older. Thankfully, we have a young up-and-coming team that still has some players who might not be in their best prime yet. You know, you still got your core people, but they need to make some decisions this offseason that truly – keeps them within this championship window that they have because uh, it's still looking good. It, it, it's just it, – it almost seems like a, a, a disappointment for this year. I would argue that despite the Chris Bryant injury, it, things balance themselves out because I don't think you thought you were going to get Chris Bryant numbers from Javi. So you got Chris Bryant numbers from Javi and you got Javi numbers from Chris Bryant. So you kind of juxtapose there? No, not at all. You don't think so? Oh, Javi Baez was already good before this year. Javi was doing Javi in the playoffs when they won in the championship. He you know, doing you Chris Bryant numbers, dude. Like the year Javi had is was off the hint. No one expected this this level of production from Javi, leading the league in home runs and RBI, or being among the league leaders in home runs and RBI, and actually hitting at a three hundred clip for a good part of the season. Yeah, true enough. True enough. That's true. But it wasn't like he was hitting Kyle Schwarber's numbers the years before. He was always around 260, 270. He had 20-plus home runs last year, 80-something RBIs. So it, it wasn't like what he's doing just came out of the complete water. Yeah, his, his, his numbers ballooned this year. But that's to, to say that that made up for what Chris Bryant would do. I completely disagree because, again, going back to the 2016 season, you had everybody healthy that team blew people out of the water. So Chris Bryant's wins above replacement, if he was on this team and he was healthy in addition to that, it, it, it wouldn't. We, we wouldn't be talking about this because now 
let's just say Chris Bryant comes back. You're telling me that they couldn't get one extra win to win their their division in the whole season? No. They had a lot of games that they just completely lost by either one point or they didn't score any runs because their offense was flat. Them, them, those, there, would have been, there would have been some games that would have been altered by Chris Bryant and, again, Brandon Morrow, Hugh Darvish. Those three people were in, a, a, extremely important to the, to the uh, uh, ability of this whole team. So when you take those three people out and you still are the top team in the NL until the last season, almost definitely it would have been different if, if those guys were around. I argue that I argue that you Darvish probably would have lost you more games. Wow. Well, I don't know. I don't know about that. And 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 the inter- the interesting thing of all of this, and you know, you you're you're a much closer observer of the Cubs than I am, so you you probably know a little better. I find interesting though that the the guys who were rumored in the last off season for the Cubs have interest in for those leadoff spots were Yelich and Kane. And I find that interesting that the Cubs didn't really truly aggressively pursue them or more aggressively pursue them, and it kind of bit them. Well, hey, I don't know if that was true or not. I didn't hear that. I don't know about how deep uh, their, their pockets were to go get them. Maybe it was a decision between needing a positional player like Yelich or needing uh, you Darvish and – a player like him and getting Brandon Morrow, you know, those were the positions that were of need more so because, again, you already had a team full of good hitters and 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 star talent. So I don't think they were really focused on Yelich, who was an outfielder. You already had that position pretty much packed in with Hayward out there, Almora and uh, uh, Zobra sometimes spotting for him uh, or going into right field. Then you got Schwarber out there and left. So I don't think they were technically looking at that as a uh, the first priority, you know, in, in, in their offseason trying to pick people up. They needed pitching and they needed it bad because you got people who were old. You know, John, uh, what's his name, that uh, went to uh, the, the, the playoffs with us. He, he's uh, – John Jay. No, not John Jay. I mean, uh, I'm sorry. It, it wasn't John. Uh, he, he was on – he was a starting pitcher. He actually played for the Cardinals, and uh, he won the championship with us in 2016. But anyway, the, the the point I was trying to make is their pitchers are and and were old. You know, they're, they're getting up in age. You know, you don't really have any young, talented pitchers in that starting rotation. So they needed someone who was fairly younger than the rest to come in. And so they saw you Darvish as a situation where, okay, we know his arm talent. He has a mix of crazy pitches, great speed on his, on his fastball. He can uh, put a lot of movement on certain pitches, but obviously there's an issue of injury at times. And as we see that, that came to fruition this year and then him being unsure about himself and whether or not he could fight through certain nagging injuries or not, and having to feel completely comfortable and, it was just a whole lot of stuff going into that. He kind of came off as a diva, but uh, yeah, man, I don't. I, I think you know, hindsight right now, obviously, yeah, I would have wanted Yelich. That would have been nice. Christian Yelich is young and supremely talented. I think he not only hits for power, but he can hit hit. He just 
is a very good contact hitter. Then you got Lorenzo Cain, who's also very good. But, uh, hey, it is what it is now. Yeah, I know there were strong rumors, though, about the Cubs going after those two to fill that leadoff position. So I know they, they did need pitching, both starting and relief. I, I do recall hearing strong rumors about them going after Yelich and or Kane. Okay. Also, I mean, the Brewers are good, man. I mean, call it what it is. The Brewers are good. The Rockies are good. But Cal Freeland is not a slouch. He's not a bum. Anybody that can that can have uh, that good of an impact, that great of an impact pitching, and half his games are in Coors Field, has to be doing something right. So yeah, that's why we got tricked into getting Tyler Chatwood. He wasn't freeling good though. He was good last year away from uh, Coors Park. Whenever he played against people away from Coors Park, that man was pitching. Uh, I, I I can't remember the exact numbers, so don't quote me. But I, I believe his numbers were really some of the best, like ERA wise, away, like road games that he pitched in. He was a very very good hitter last, very very good pitcher last year. And that's what kind of enticed, uh, you know, Theo and the the, the talent uh, scouting evaluation team. He, they 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 thought that you know that would pan out. You know, all you got to do is just get away from that that hit happy uh, park, and you can actually be a very good pitcher. Because he hey, he has talented pitchers pitches. He can throw the ball, but his his control is bad, and that led to to him not, him not being a good starter. He's bad. He's bad. Chat was terrible. But my, my ultimate point with Freeland, though, was Freeland was even good at Coors. So that's all. My whole point was simply that he's no bum. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'd say nothing about Freeland today. More Freeland. Good for him. No, I, all, all I'm saying is the Cubs, even, even though I, I give them a ribbing and I give them a hard time, but. I mean, it's not like they lost to a couple bum teams. You know, you had the the Milwaukee Brewers, who are a good team, and officially, not to rub it in your face or anything, officially the best team in the National League. But the Milwaukee Brewers, they were right there the entire year, either either first or second with you guys. They were good. They were good. The best team in the National League on the last day. The Cubs were the best team for the whole season. And they again were without Not the whole season. They were chasing the Brewers for a good amount of time. So no, no, the Cubs were not chasing the Brewers for a good amount of time. Now you never in first place. Now you're not fact checking. Now you're being now you're being just a homer for the Sox. The Brewers were never in first place. I didn't say never. I didn't say not, I said not for a, a longer time than the Cubs. I didn't say a longer time. I said a good amount of time. Okay. All right. All right. But, yeah, the Brewers are obviously the better team right now because they're in the playoffs, and they they are hot. That is also part of baseball. Moving on, though, to something we can agree on and and will probably make you a little happier. You seem a little sad about the Cubs. But anyway. Of course, I'll get over it, though. You know what's good about this time of the year? Baseball is almost over. Football is in prime swing, and then the Bulls are also on the way as well. So I'm all good. I'm distracted already by other sports. Yeah. It's a good time to be alive. <laughs> the Chicago Bears, and because we didn't we didn't go in last week, so we can recap a couple games. 
and we saw the tale of two Trubiskies. <laughs> I like that. The tale of two Trubiskies against the Cardinals, a uh, extremely awful, in my opinion, defense. Mitch Trubisky made them look like the 2002 Ravens. Yeah. It's pretty frustrating. It's pretty frustrating to watch. Uh, Trubisky went on another tear of missing open receivers and rushing throws and getting happy feet and maybe running when he should pass and passing when he should run. But then we get into the Tampa Bay game. Oh, yeah. I just won the, the Cardinals game. The defense was really a, a savior for Mitch that game, which was which is why it was such a concern because you didn't you didn't want to have this this potentially great defense, potentially historic defense. You didn't want their downfall to be subpar quarterback play from a guy who's supposed to be your franchise quarterback. Yeah. So we move into the Bucks game, and everything is clicking on all cylinders, man. All cylinders, bro. All cylinders. Now, albeit the Bucks defense is uh, reminiscent of a backyard football game I recently played, but I mean, six touchdowns against any professional football team is noteworthy, my friend. Absolutely. Accuracy. Uh, you saw him linking up with Trey Burton and and mixing it up amongst the different receivers. He wasn't dependent on Allen Robinson. He got Taylor Gabriel involved, was able to gauge his speed and his shiftiness and get him some, some balls. So I like what I saw out of Trubisky. That combined with a defense, even though your, your offense was marching up and down the field, the defense still only allowed 10 points and was mad about the last seven they gave up. I love it. Yeah, they were. I saw Khalil Mack. He did not want to give up that touchdown, man. I would have wanted it to be 48-3 to three as well. But you know what? I, going back to that uh, Tampa Bay game, I got to say, yeah, that defense, the secondary in, in, in particular for me, they, they, were, they were bums. But that still doesn't negate the fact that, like you said, Trubisky was accurate. And that's what I was more amazed at. Those throws were on time. You saw accuracy. You saw him throwing to the right person, throwing to open players, not being scared in the pocket, not having a whole bunch of happy feet. And when he did run, man, he was gone. He he broke some big gains. So you saw a lot of things go well. I think the only time I had an issue with something was when he underthrew Allen Robinson, which was a nice, should have been a nice gain. And I think it hit the helmet of uh, the corner that was sticking him. But, you know, that was like, uh, okay, fine. You know, you, that, that's, that, that's kind of shadowed over by all these other great moments during the game. Right? Because I think it was a blowout, uh, or not think, it was a blowout by halftime. So I'm thinking them, them dudes was going to try to put up 70 points, and he was going to go for 10 touchdowns. But just, just the precision, the play calling by Nagy, it was almost as if, like, this, this last week of practice before that game, something clicked. 
because you always hear them talk about, oh, we have good practices going. We got a, a, a lot of good things that we see the offense doing. And uh, uh, there's certain plays that Trubisky looks confident in throwing and playing or, or rather calling. And then, of course, the defense is already doing what it's doing. So we, we, we had a good practice up to the game. So now we just need to translate it to the, to the field on a game day. And they did that. If you got a team that, that will kill you on offense and then also kill you on defense, that is the definition of a Super Bowl team or a Super Bowl contender. And that's, that's crazy to think that, you know, just last year, you know, John Fox and the boys, Foxy boys, they couldn't get their act together. You knew that was a, a, a catastrophe. And now one year later, you got this new offense trying to be uh, infused into this team. They look good, man. Taylor Gabriel had a day. Tariq Cohen did his thing. Trey Burton had a great day. You know, so so the only person that, that kind of felt the little sting was Jordan Howard. And, uh, you know, I'm going to talk on Jordan Howard for a second uh, in, a, in a minute. But, yeah, I, I was pretty pretty pleased with everything else. Kudos to Matt Nagy, too, for game planning. Uh, you, you touched on it a little bit. Guys were open for miles. Yeah. Like, there's, there's no reason football players should be – that open against NFL competition, but they were open for miles. And that just, it, you have to chalk it up to more than just bad secondary play. For guys to be that open that often, that's game planning. That's that's finding something that you can attack and attacking it ad nauseum to the point where the other team is just overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. It, it was also of note is the fact that I'm wrong about something. I'm going to apologize to you, Jordan. What are you talking about? Chris Conti is still playing. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Chris Conti is still on an active roster. <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna say he's still playing football. Yeah, I don't think he he uh he has his head on straight right now. He's on an active roster. I didn't know this until Vance McDonald. <laughs> um. <laughs> In a play I like to call, repeat the por favor. <laughs> In an act of God, <laughs> you found out. Uh. <laughs> Vance just like, I'm sorry. He gives this dude a ride. Like, that was the you know how Vontae, you know how Vontae Davis just went to the locker room and said, you know what, nah, I can't do this football thing anymore. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. Chris Conti should have done that. That was his second time in what five years having that happen to him. Yeah, and going viral with it. It would have been appropriate. Goodness gracious! <laughs> so I'm of the firm belief that any secondary that Chris Conti can dare get any playing time on is terrible. But again, again, to the Bears' credit, 48 points, a man throwing six touchdowns. <laughs> Against any NFL football team, that's a thing, man. You don't see a forty-eight spot go up that often. No, and 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 it was it was thirty-eight to three at half. Yeah, let's just make sure we 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 mention that thirty-eight to three at half, bro. So I mean, if, if they wanted to put their foot on the gas a little bit more, maybe they could have. Maybe they could have scored fifty or or sixty. The, the early 60s, you know, that that was impressive. Did the old Belichick, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So 
you had a message for a fellow Jordan. Yeah, I don't I don't appreciate the way you are representing the the first name Jordans, okay? I I don't like that. Jordan Howard, look. I know everybody wants a piece of the pie. If I'm on a basketball court and my fellow teammates are doing good, would I want a part of the action? Do I want to be an integral part as I usually am? Meaning if I were in your shoes, you're usually the guy that they lean on for the running back duties? Yes. But your team just blew out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the supposed best offensive team under Fitz Tragic, now he's known as. That didn't last long. And you're complaining and walking past reporters and they want to talk to you real quick. And you're, you're, you're visibly, you know, leaving the scene. What kind of representation is that? What kind of attitude is that when you win? Now, if you lose and you, you, your, your team or the, the, your coach and the quarterback went away from using you more than they should have, that's a little more understandable. Your team won in all phases. You knew Tariq Cohen was going to be a big part of Matt Nagy's offense during this season. It was talked about in the offseason. It was talked about all the time. And you want to sit up here and cry and whine about, oh, I didn't get enough touches. I'm Jordan Howard. I should be running the ball all the time. No. You let your team do what it was, what, what it did. He passed to the receivers. He passed to, I think, four or five different people for touchdowns. It wasn't like he was keying in on one person and he, he selfishly just denied you the ball. No, you're, it just wasn't your week to get a whole bunch of touches. Everything else was going right. There are going to be games like that. Odell Beckham doesn't always have a great game. Antonio Brown sometimes <laughs> doesn't always have a great game. But stop crying when your team wins. Be a team player. Stop complaining. Stop walking past reporters and, and giving people reason for if you're selfish or not and you're not about the team that just blew out the Buccaneers. Oh, yeah, Odell Beckham's not having a lot of good games with washed-up Eli back there chucking the ball around. Yeah, Eli, Eli, I don't know, man. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I agree. I agree. If if Jordan Howard just stopped this this bye week, this glorious bye week, just just take a little time, Jordan and and Jordan Howard. That is, take a little time and just watch the Chiefs. And maybe not this week they're playing the Jags, but just watch the Chiefs. And that's really the essence of what Nagy's trying to embody. Maybe not 100%, but that's the essence of it. So what happens is you take a guy like Kareem Hunt, supremely talented, was right there with you last year uh, for the rushing title. And he had games where he'll run for a buck 20. He had games where he'll run for 30. When, when the passing game is clicking, when Pat Mahomes is throwing five, six touchdowns, Kareem Hunt may not have the greatest game that day. The same will be true of you, Jordan Howard. You're not going to get a, a, a buck every game. They're not going to chuck it to you every game. You got to go with the hot hand. That's the way it works in sports. You know, not just football, in, in sports. Sometimes you just got to, you got a guy that's rolling. Tariq Cohen was giving you uh, Tecmo Bowl numbers all over the field. <laughs> You're going to ride that. You're going to ride that. 
And Tampa may have been waiting for, for the Bears to just slow it down, run Jordan Howard, you know, off tackle left, off tackle right. They may have been waiting for that. So Nagy saw something, and he exploited it. Now, the next game, when they when they when they play the the Bills, right? Is they, it the Bills next? The, the, they yes, yeah. So the next game, you may you may eat like a big dog because that's what the game plan calls for. So Jordan Howard, keep your head up, keep it rolling, baby. You might be a part of something great. You just play your role, play your position, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was a couple things you mentioned that I want to comment on. First, going back to Jordan Howard, just real quick. If I'm gonna have some truth serum on this, if I'm just being honest, Jordan Howard is a running back that was made for the pass type of football. You know, not this running gun, fast pace. That's why they switched from John Fox to Matt Nagy. John Fox was probably the better coach for how Jordan Howard plays. You know, when it comes to the ground and pound and the old blue collar, just run it into the ground, Chicago Bear teams of old, and just kill them on defense and play those close win games where you went off of a field goal at the last second. That's what Jordan Howard is good for. His type of ability and his his talent, it, 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 it translates to that. You know, that's why you have the top running backs like Saquon and, and Kamara, Gurley, all these do Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, all these guys are dual threats and they have more speed than you. Saquon can take the top off of a defense and he can catch. Jordan Howard is just now getting a little bit better at catching and Jordan Howard is not a speed demon. You were not made for this era of football. I am glad you're on the team, but Tariq Cohen was made for this era of football and in particular was made for this type of offense that Matt Nagy is running. So you got to take a, a little bit of a, of a, of a truth pill and, and, and swallow your pride. If you can, most people don't because they still want to do what they do and, and just take a step back. Second point I wanted to make, you mentioned Pat Mahomes versus Jacksonville. I just got to say, if Pat Mahomes has just even a decent game, I'm convinced that he is the real deal. He has been the real deal this whole whole year, almost MVP probably, him and Jared Goff. But if he has close to a good game, say 280 yards thrown, two touchdowns at the least, and no picks, that, that dude is the real deal if he can do that against the Jaguars defense. I think he's the real deal already, regardless of what happens against Jacksonville. Okay. Jacksonville poses a challenge. I think the Chiefs will be able to get some points up. They just they're just too prolific. They may not win, but uh I think the Chiefs can put some points up. You may you may be in in for a more of a shootout than you think. Because Jacksonville, when Fournette doesn't play, and I don't think he's playing this weekend, when Fournette doesn't play, Jacksonville actually stretches the field a little more, moves the ball around a little more, and scores more. Sounds a lot like the Bears. Anyway. But that's that's what we're looking at when we talk about Jacksonville. So you may you may get a bit of a shootout, and and Mahomes I believe is the real deal already. This is his. I'm not gonna say his first test. This is his first difficult test. These Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, yeah. 
It will be a test, but I I think that, like you said, they have such a prolific offense. I was watching something recently. Matter of fact, today, earlier, it showed uh, uh, uninterrupted with Jalen Ramsey, and uh, he was talking about how uh, he, you know how he always trash talks everybody's quarterback and their team in general, but uh, he gave kudos to their team, man. Everybody knows what kind of offense they lead. You know, you got Tariq, you got Kareem, Kelsey, uh, uh, Sammy. You got some killers on that team that, that can just out outrun you, uh, can, can just flat out play. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to see how this, this number one offense plays against uh, supposedly right now, you know, I still got love for my Bears being number one. But, you know, Jack, Jacksonville has been uh, uh, the top defense for a while. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that pans out. Yeah, and also to Jordan Howard, if you look at the way Ingram and Kamara coexist, how they kind of complement each other, yeah, root for each other, if we could get that here, man. Yeah. So where, you know, Cohen, Cohen may overtake – you know, Howard as as the guy who's getting all the pub and the press. He may. Yeah. But compliment each other, get the wins, get the wins, and make an impact in the playoffs. Going to need a Jordan Howard at some point when when the winners get cold and the field gets slick. Yeah. You know, so going to need Jordan Howard. Just hang in there, dude. But Bears on a bye this week. And NBA preseason has kicked off in the past week. Yeah. And we have a sad bit of news. Lowry Markkinen is going to be out for the first month. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what that's going to lead to is a lot more Zach Levine chucking. Now, you can view that as a good thing or a bad thing, but... This is what's going to happen. You're going to see a lot more Zach Levine, a lot more Jabari Parker taking shots. And watching the first preseason game from the Bulls uh, in particular, what I did see, oddly enough, was more twos than threes. The Bulls were pretty ineffective from behind the arc in their first preseason game uh, that I saw. They weren't really – Looking for the three-point line. It was a lot of mid-range stuff, a lot of stuff to the basket. So I don't know if Lowry's absence affects that because that offense is supposed to be designed around shooting the three. But it's, yes. it's, it's something that I noticed. Yeah, I, I thought that was still impressive, the fact that they didn't have a lot of threes made. I thought that that first game, from what I, I read, there was a lot of good ball movement. didn't seem like the ball stuck. Uh, Zach put up 21 points in three quarters. Jabari did his thing, I think, with 15 or 16 points. Chris Dunn, who I, I'm very pleased and, and and looking forward to see how he uh, improves this year. Obviously, the normal dog defense that he brings, the leadership ability from the point guard position, uh, his, his aggressiveness. I think he had a nice dunk where he just kind of went past Drew Holiday. I believe it was Drew Holiday, and Drew Holiday is no slouch on defense. So I, I thought that uh, they, they showed some things. And then Wendell Carter Jr., man, the man is impressive. He, he plays under control. He looks like he's been doing this for 10 years already in the league. It's just a very good, sound rookie who I think will be very good in his career the more he acclimates himself to this team. So I, I was impressed with that first game. One thing I, I didn't like, and I even like Carter, one thing that he was doing that I had a little trouble with, and maybe this will get ironed out, he was getting lost on the pick and roll a lot. 
I, I think that New Orleans knew that that was a focus, a personal focus of his, and maybe even a team focus. They put him in a lot of double pick and rolls. So they hit him with a, a, a screen and then another screen, and he was getting lost on the switch. So that may be something he want to work on, uh, dropping back properly so as to impede the penetration and kind of, you know, how you cheat and guard two guys on the screen roll. If he can get better at that, you got something. But otherwise, you may see more and more teams attempt to expose him on that screen roll. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. I think he 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 looks like he's somebody who has a good, very very good IQ of just how to play. So that could be something that he just needs to improve in and uh, improve on. And uh, I think that'll get kind of ironed out during the season as as his career continues to go on. For it. yeah, those those things uh, he'll just continue to improve with experience and maturity. And as the season goes along, which actually what next week, yeah, the last week of preseason. So um, maybe. Next week's podcast, we'll get into a true NBA season preview. But what I want to do, something that I, I love that comes out around this time every year, and I don't know if you, you heard about it, the the GM survey. Have you had a chance to look at that? No, I haven't. No. Tell me about it. Great. Great. You can play along. Okay. So uh, every year they do the GM survey. I think you're familiar with it at least. They ask about 49 questions of the GMs, and then, you know, they publish a few of them. They publish, like, 15 of them. They ask about 49 different questions about, you know, the best teams, players, home court, offseason moves. So it's interesting because the reflection of how front offices feel about the NBA, about teams, and about players. So let's get it going. So I'm going to ask you these questions, and you tell me what you think. Okay, let's get it. Which team will win the 2019 NBA Finals? What do you think? What do you think they said? Golden State Warriors. Correct. Golden State Warriors, they have number one, 87%. And Boston and Houston are tied for second. Yeah. Who do you think are the top four teams in the East? Okay, let's go Boston. Let's go... Philly, let's go Milwaukee, and I feel like I'm overlooked somebody, but let's also go Toronto. You have the right four teams. Uh, they have them in different order. So Boston's one, Toronto two, Philly three, Milwaukee four. Okay. Top four teams in the West. Golden State. Houston Rockets, OKC, and the L.A. Lakers. Just off. They have the Lakers fifth. They have Golden State, Houston, Oklahoma City, and Utah being the fourth best team. Wow. Respect to Utah. Okay. Utah. So moving into players. And you may have heard about this already, but we'll go ahead. Okay. Who will win the, this season's 2018-2019 MVP award? Uh, it is either between James Harden or LeBron James. Okay. And just as a note, we'll get into our own personal picks uh, with our season preview. 
So we're just doing this based on what the GMs picked. The GM said LeBron James. Okay. And with Kevin Durant second, Anthony Davis third, James Harden fourth. I, okay. I know LeBron James is currently, and at this point in his career, I'm going to say it, arguably the best player in the league right now. I don't think he's MVP, but we'll, we'll get into that. Okay. If you were starting a franchise today and sign any player in the NBA, who would you take? Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant was number three. I'll give you one more bite at the apple. <sighs> Let's see. Given youth and age. Okay. Uh, fine. I'll go. Goodness gracious. I'll go. Man, I really want another bite. Oh, but uh, I'll go Carl Anthony Towns. Not even on the list. Wow. He okay. was, last year he was the player you would take. No one's saying it now. Probably the playoffs. Number one, Giannis. Ah, I was thinking about it. Okay. Number two, Anthony Davis. Number three, Kevin Durant. Number four, LeBron James. Number five, Stephen Curry. Number six, Joel Embiid. Okay. Which player forces opposing coaches to make the most adjustments? Hmm. I am going to say probably LeBron James. LeBron James by far at 60%. Next up is James Harden, Stephen Curry, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis. That's a higher percentage than last year, so more people think LeBron. Okay. Um, which player is most likely to have a breakout season in 2018-2019? Giannis had a very good season last year, but I'm going to go with Giannis again for this year. Another breakout season? I think he's already broken out. Well, well, what I mean is, like, put up more points. So, okay, fine. If you want to go that way, I'll say Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is on the list. He's tied for fourth in like a seven-way tie. Okay. You probably wouldn't get who they have number one. Jamal Murray. Huh. I can see that. Jamal Murray, number one. Brandon Ingram, number two. No. I would have picked, picked Jason Tatum. He's tied for two with Brandon Ingram. Yeah, that, that, that actually, I didn't think about Jason Tatum. Brandon Ingram, to me, is a little overhyped. I don't know. And Duke, he was, he seemed like he was a real deal. But when he got here, I don't know if it's just that team. And now that you got LeBron on the team, you ain't you ain't doing nothing as far as meeting your your peak. You ain't you ain't, you ain't getting there, brother, unless he leaves. Well, when he leaves, I think LeBron may hurt his game unless he's okay with just being a spot up guy. Yep. Also on the list, tied for fourth in that in that group with Ben Simmons is Aaron Gordon, Kyle Kuzma, Kawhi Leonard. Lowry Markkinen, DeJounte Murray, and Ben Simmons. Kawhi Leonard. I don't I don't understand that either. But I guess since he didn't play. Oh, that, that that's not an excuse. Kawhi Leonard was the MVP of a championship team. But okay. Uh also getting votes Markel Fultz, who seems to have found his jump shot. That's scary. Yeah, no more yips for him. Donovan Mitchell, Kelly Aubrey, Josh Richardson, Dennis Smith, and Carl Anthony Towns. Who is the best point guard in the NBA? 
Uh, it's between two people, but I'm gonna go with uh, uh, I'm gonna go with Steph Curry. Correct, by far. Stephen Curry, fifty-seven percent. Russell Westbrook is seven at second at seventeen percent. Then Kyrie Irving and Chris Paul are tied, and James Harden is fifth. Mm, Who's yeah. the best two guard in NBA? That would be James Harden. James Harden in a landslide, seventy-three percent. Who do you think is second? Uh, either. Clay Thompson or Donovan Mitchell? Clay Thompson is second. And then Stephen Curry is third. Uh, huh? Devin, yeah. I guess they figure playing off the ball. Okay. Devin Booker, Paul George, and Victor Oladipo also got some votes. Oh, yeah, Devin. I, I overlooked my boy Book in uh, Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah, Book is up there. Who's the best small forward in the NBA? That would be LeBron. LeBron James, 57%. Uh, 40% for Kevin Durant. And yeah. third, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Antetokounmpo. Who's the best power forward in the NBA? Anthony Davis. Spot on. Anthony Davis, 37%. Eerily close is LeBron James at 33%. Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and LaMarcus Aldridge. Who's the best center in the NBA? Uh, that would be Joel Embiid. He's second. Okay, then that would be Carl Anthony Towns. He's third. Okay, then that would be DeMarcus Cousins. Think who the best big is in the NBA. Okay, apparently I'm not. Oh, Kevin Durant. No, Anthony Davis. Oh, so Anthony, Anthony Davis is voted the best power forward and center in the league. Oh. All right. I guess that's why I got thrown off because I only see him as powerful. And I'm still thinking about the, the, the positional aid era of NBA. Right. Isn't this positionless? Because Giannis Antetokounmpo got votes for the best center in the league. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cousins, Drummond, Gasol, Horford, and I think one of the, if one of the most underrated players in the league. Nikola Jokic got some votes. Oh, yeah. The Joker. The Joker, man. There, there's, I think it's an article out. There's an argument to be made that Jokic may be the best center in the league. There's some article out that, that makes that argument. But what, what, More so like what, head-to-head? Against this, the other ones? I guess the, the fact that his skill set is the best in the league because he can do more and that people tend to not respect him because the the assumption is he doesn't play defense because he doesn't get the block shots, but he has more than the average center. He has more steals than the average center. Yeah. So he makes up for what he doesn't get in blocks and steals and he plays fairly good position defense. That's all well and good, but you're not better than Anthony Davis. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. And and I think this article wasn't looking at Anthony Davis as a center. I think it was more of a comparison with him and Boogie um, at the time. So we're moving on. So now we're talking about offseason moves. Which team made the best overall moves this offseason? 
which teams made the best moves this offseason. Uh, of course, uh, Los Angeles might be up there. Yeah, Los Angeles, 70% by far. Number two, who do you think it is? Uh, number two, uh, is this including draft picks too? This is overall moves, drafting, trades, free agency. Okay. Well, if that's the case, if I'm uh, maybe I'm overlooking somebody else, but I'm going to go with Phoenix. No, Phoenix didn't get any votes. Number two is Toronto. Well, okay. I guess that one move did make a big deal, but okay. Also receiving votes, Dallas, Indiana, and OKC. I guess people count Carmelo leaving as (laughs) great move. Let Carmelo go. (laughs) Right. Which player acquisition will make the biggest impact? This was a runaway. The Lakers, LeBron James. LeBron James, 97%. 3% pick Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. What is the most underrated player acquisition? Underrated player acquisition? DeMar DeRozan to the Spurs. That's second. Okay. Uh, I would say DeMarcus to the Warriors would be underrated. That's tied for third. Okay. I don't see how that's even on the list. I mean, it's DeMar DeRozan. I mean, DeMarcus Cousins to the Warriors, so whatever. You probably won't get this. Hold on. Let me let me think. Okay. One clue. Is this person on the same team as LeBron? No. Okay. Well, I, I, I'll, I'll just throw it out there. I'll say uh, Trevor Ariza to the Suns. <laughs> I don't know. That's on the list. Uh, number one is Tyreek Evans to the Pacers. Really? I don't know how he's going to miss 40 games. Tyreek Evans to the Pacers. Tied for second, DeMar DeRozan. Jabari Parker coming to the Bulls. Julius Randle in New Orleans. And Dennis Schroeder in OKC. Hmm. And tied for third, Trevor Ariza. DeMarcus Cousins. And Isaiah Thomas in Denver. Which team will be the most improved in 2018-2019? The Lakers. The Lakers, 80%. Also getting votes, number two, Dallas and Phoenix are tied for number two. Chicago and Orlando got some love, receiving some votes. What was the most surprising move of the offseason? most surprising move was DeMar DeRozan getting traded. That was number two. Really? Okay, LeBron to the Lakers. No, everybody knew that was coming. Okay. Yeah. He got, he got some votes. Uh, 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 what took LeBron off the head? Oh, oh, DeMarcus to the Warriors. All right. DeMarcus Cousins to Golden State. Number two, Kawhi, DeMar DeRozan trade. Number three, Paul George deciding to stay in OKC. Number four, Jimmy Butler's trade requests. So now we're looking at rookies and international players. This one brought a smile to my face. Who will win 2018-2019 Rookie of the Year? Uh, you're saying a smile to your face. What, Wendell Carter Jr.? He was second. Really? Okay. Uh, if that's the case, then uh, I'll go with Colin Sexton. He got some votes. It's Luka Doncic. Okay. All right. Luka Doncic. 
Marvin Bagley and Wendell Carter Jr. were tied for second. And then DeAndre Ayton. Also receiving votes, your boy, Triple J. Ah, yes. Kevin Knox and Colin Sexton. Which rookie will be the best player five years from now? Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, oh, my goodness, Luka Doncic. He was third. Ooh-wee. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. I guess I will go with, man, I don't know. DeAndre Ayton. Aiden, okay, on Phoenix, yeah. <laughs> he was tied for first with Jaron Jackson Jr. Oh, Jaron Jackson, okay. Fourth tie, Marvin Bagley and Kevin Knox, and then Wendell Carter. Okay. Which rookie was the biggest steal in the draft? Uh, that would be who dropped? Uh, 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 your boy that went to Denver. That was supposed to be a top pick, almost number one before the college season started. Uh, Michael Porter. He was tied for third. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with Mikael Bridges going to Phoenix. Nope. Really? Shay Gilgis Alexander going to the Clippers at 11. Svee Mikhailiuk to the Lakers. He went 47th. I guess he's supposed to be something. Wendell Carter. Going to the Bulls at seven, that tied with Michael Porter at 14, and Gary Trent Jr. going to Portland at 37, and then also getting some votes, Luca and Kevin Knox tied. Okay. Luka and Kevin Knox. I don't know why people think DeAndre Ayton was the biggest steal in the draft after going number one. He got a vote. It's, it's weird. So, who's the best international player in the NBA? Luka Doncic. Number three. Um, Overthinking. Giannis. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 73%. Number two, Kristaps Porzingis. Okay. Then Luka Doncic and Nikola Jokic tied for third and Mark Gasol. You may or may not uh, know this, so I'll ask it anyway. Who's the best international player not in the NBA? LeBron James. <laughs> it wouldn't have shocked me if that was there. Uh, Sergio Yule, Nando DiColo, Alexi Shved, Jan Vaselli. Also receiving a vote, our, our boy at Duke, R.J. Barrett. Okay. Right. Forgot he was from Canada. Now let's get to the side of the ball that matters, my friend. Defense. I need a greedy. Who is the best defensive player in the NBA? Kawhi Leonard. He's tied for first with? Uh, Anthony Davis. Davis is fourth. Okay. Uh, defensive player of the air. Oh, God. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Stifle Tower. Yeah, Ru- Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert. Draymond Green was third. Anthony Davis and then Kevin Durant got some votes. Yeah. Go for him, man, because I think he is sorely underappreciated as a defender. Who is the best perimeter defender in the NBA? Best perimeter defender? Um, I'm going to go with uh, 
with uh, Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard, 60% by far. Who do you think is number two? Uh, Avery Bradley? Or Drew Holiday? Both got votes, but not number two. Number two was Jimmy Butler, which I think to me isn't true anymore. Jimmy Butler played defense like Boo Boo last year. But tied for number two was Draymond Green and Victor Oladipo. Also getting some votes was Giannis, Kevin Durant, Drew Holiday, Avery Bradley, and Clay Thompson, who should get more credit as a defender. Okay. That makes sense. Who was the best interior defender in the NBA? Interior? Oh, well, that would be Rudy Gobert and then Anthony Davis. Exactly right. Rudy Gobert, 80%, then Anthony Davis. And the rest of the votes were split among Draymond Green, Dwight Howard, and DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. Who was who the most versatile defender in the NBA? Most versatile defender in the NBA would be Anthony Davis. No. LeBron James. Third. Kawhi Leonard. Second. Giannis. Fourth. Kevin Durant? Don't overthink this. Oh, Rudy? Draymond Green. Draymond Green. Does that shock you? Or? I, I guess I guess not, because he was already a defensive player of the year, but I would have picked I, I would always pick Giannis or somebody else. Versatile, that to me that also means, you know, your 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 individual like uh Qualities like uh, your 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 stature. So Giannis is taller, longer. To me, he can cover more of the court. I would even take Kevin Durant. You know, with the strides he's made on defense, and then Kawhi Leonard. You know, I think he's a better overall defender than Draymond as well. So, uh, I, I mean, I can respect that though. I think you're looking at the fact that Draymond can guard all five. So can Kawhi, relatively effectively. Yeah, I would put Draymond on Boogie before I put Kawhi on Boogie. Okay. But Kawhi was second at 30%, and LeBron was third. Getting votes also, Jimmy Butler, Giannis, and Marcus Smart. Who is the best defensive team in the NBA? Uh, Let's see. Golden State. Third. Utah. Yep, Utah. 45%. 45%. Second. Who do you think is second? Uh, Boston. Yep. Boston. 34%. Then Golden State. Then OKC. A lot of people are giving OKC respect for getting rid of Carmelo. <laughs> that improved everything. Addition by subtraction. We're moving into coaches. Who is the best head coach in the NBA? Uh, that would be Steve Kerr. He would be third. Okay. Uh, that right Say that again? That was right around why I would put him anyway. Uh, okay, Greg Popovich. He's second. All right. Uh, let's see. The new genius, man. Oh, Boston Celtics coach. Brad Stevens, number one, 47%. Yeah. 
Pop is at 30%. Number two, Dan, Tony, and Kerr tied for third. Also receiving votes, Rick Carlisle. I always respect the Rick Carlisle. Quinn Snyder, who's good. I don't know about this Terry Stotts thing. He got a couple votes. Don't know about that. Yeah. He's not bad. He's just, to me, he's not good. I can think of other people before I get to Terry Stotts. One of them is going to, on this next list, which head coach is the best motivator or manager of people? Steve Kerr. He's two. Okay, Greg Popovich. Popovich, 47%. Steve Kerr at 20% is number two. Brad Stevens is third. Eric Spolster, who deserves mad respect in the coaching community, is four. Also receiving some votes, Brett Brown. Dwayne Casey and Doc Rivers. Nah, I don't know about Dwayne Casey and Doc Rivers. <laughs> Which head coach makes the best in-game adjustments? Uh, Brad Stevens. Absolutely. Matt Nagy wouldn't be on there. <laughs> <laughs> but Brad Stevens is first by far, 53%. Joe Madden is second at the bottom of the list on that one. Joe Madden doesn't make the list. Now, he makes too many in-game adjustments. Yes. Like, hey, Chris Bryant, uh, why don't you bat left-handed? <laughs> uh, oh, how Cub fans have turned on Joe. I still love my, my, my guy. He got one more year, though. <laughs> <laughs> He's got one more year. Man, I need to see somebody else. Oh, I love Joe. He's going to be gone after next year. Yep. Brad Stevens was first. Greg Popovich, Rick Carlisle, and Quinn Snyder tied for third. Then Doc Rivers and Eric Spolstra. Which head coach runs the best offense? Steve Kerr. Absolutely. 40% Golden State Warriors, Steve Kerr. Who's number two? Uh, 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 Houston Rockets coach. Mike D'Antoni, number two. Brad Stevens is three. Quinn Snyder is four. Terry Stotts. There's that name again. Number five. I don't understand that either. They have two guys that score. <laughs> and everybody else has no idea what to do when they touch the basketball. But Quinn Snyder, man, props to Quinn Snyder. He, In these GM circles, he appears to be quite the up-and-coming coach. Yes, He's he going to be a hot commodity when that contract runs out. Yeah. Speaking of which, I'm going to give away this answer. Who's the best – which head coach has the best defensive schemes? Golden State. Steve Kerr. Kerr is tied for four. Really? Defensive schemes? Okay. Uh, then I'll go with uh, Brad Stevens. He's second. Okay. I'll go with Quinn Snyder. Quinn Snyder, number one, Utah. 33%. Brad Stevens, 30%. Pop is third. Kerr and Tibbs tied for four. <laughs> also receiving votes, Eric Spolstra, Nate McMillan, and Steve Clifford. Can't argue with any of these names. Tibbs' schemes are great. He just needs the players. Oh, well. You are a basketball junkie, so you should be able to at least give some input on this. Who is the best assistant coach in the NBA? Uh, best assistant coach? Uh, hmm. Well, seeing as I am not uh, in any way a uh, person who 
hates on anybody, I am going to go with the only lady assistant coach in the league on the Spurs. Oddly enough, she is not there. Hmm. Talking about Becky Hammond. Yeah, good old Becky. All right. Uh, well, let's see. Didn't she get a position in the WNBA? I think she is the head coach of the WNBA squad or the Summer League squad or something like that, yeah. I thought she got a spot. Maybe that's why she's not up there. Ron Adams. Okay, yeah. Right, 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 right. Victoria Messina from San Antonio is number two. Dan Burke, Chris Finch. This is all tied for three. Dan Burke, Chris Finch, Adrian Griffin, Jay Larinaga, and Jay Triano. Also receiving votes, Jim Boylan. Jim Boylan. And Mike Brown. Yep. Steve Silas, Roy Rogers, Ime Yudoka. Ime Yudoka's always been around this. Him and David Vanterpool, and they're nev- they're not getting calls, man. And Monty Williams is on the list, too. But they're not getting calls. They need to get calls. Maybe they like being in their position. <laughs> I mean, because if you, if you look at the best assist- assistant coaches in the NBA – like four of them are Spurs assistants, so I mean only one of them is going to get pop spot. And then Vanterpool's been in the talks from Portland for years now, and Stephen Silas, Paul Silas's kid. Yeah. Which active player will make the best head coach someday? Which active player will make the best head coach? Uh, Paul Gasol. Mm, no. Okay. Not, not on any list. God, duh. LeBron James. Actually, no. I wouldn't trust LeBron to coach my team. You see what he's done to the other teams he's coached. <laughs> uh, oh, Chris Paul. Chris Paul, number one, 25%. Second tie with is a CJ McCollum, Jameer Nelson, Ray John Rondo, and Garrett Temple. CJ McCollum. Maybe that podcast is helping him. Apparently, maybe they trust. Okay, I, I mean, I shouldn't hate. I guess I haven't. I haven't heard his take on things, so maybe he does have some insight on a lot of things. Maybe he, his his ability to be gregarious on the media outlets. Who knows? Yeah. Also receiving votes: Stephen Adams, JJ Barea, Vince Carter, Mike Conley. Manu Ginobili, Jared Jack, Cal Corver, Fred Van Vliet, TJ McConnell. I believe TJ McConnell, Fred Van Vliet, they're both going to be some of the greatest coaches you've ever seen. Unathletic bench players become great coaches. Yep, just like Luke Walton. Exactly. So the miscellaneous category, which team is the most fun to watch? Golden State. In a runaway, Golden State, 60%. Who do you think is number two? Uh, Houston or OKC. Houston is tied for third. Boston is second. Okay. And Houston is tied for third with Philadelphia. Also receiving some votes, Denver, Milwaukee, and Utah. Okay. All right. Donovan, Donovan's done a lot for them. Which team has the best home court advantage? Golden State. Golden State, 50%. Who do you think is second? Uh, I will go with Philly. Mm-mm. Utah, number two. Okay. Denver is third. 
Probably because you can't breathe after the third quarter. <laughs> Not only are you playing defense against them, but you're playing defense against breathing. Exactly. Also have to guard breathing. <laughs> Boston, OKC, and Toronto also votes for good home court advantages. Which team has the most promising young core? Uh, Philly. Philadelphia, 47%. Number two is Boston. Guess who's third? Bulls. Chicago Bulls tied with the Phoenix Suns for third. That's right. Also receiving votes, Denver and Utah. Just got to make who sure the most stay healthy now. Not too late. Who's the most athletic player in the NBA? Uh, Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook by far, 48%. Giannis is number two. LeBron James, number three. Donovan Mitchell, number four. Getting votes, Aaron Gordon, Zach Levine, Victor Oladipo, Andrew Wiggins. And why is James Harden anywhere on this list? Because people are just homers for household names. Even GMs? They probably got paid. I don't know. Who is the best pure shooter? That would be Stephen Curry. He thought about that too long. Because <laughs> I was thinking about Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson, to me, has a better-looking shot, and it's just as nice, in my opinion. But Stephen Curry just has limitless range. Who's second? Well, that would be Clay Thompson. Exactly. Who's <laughs> third? Uh, third shooting. James Harden? Mm-mm. Kevin Durant. <laughs> oh, oh, good God. Three people on the same team. That's, that's yeah. Yeah, I should have known. Kyrie Irving is fourth. That's insane. Who's the fastest player with the ball? Uh, Russell Westbrook. Number one. Who's second? John Wall. Number two. Who's third? Hmm. LeBron James. No, Kyrie Irving, which I don't agree with. No. He's crap. He's not fast. Yeah. Now, the fourth guy is who I would pick, De'Aaron Fox. Yes. Uh, I've seen that dude blow. It, oh, my. Also on this list is Victor Oladipo and Ish Smith, who's pretty quick with the ball. Who's the best in the league moving without the ball? Kevin Durant. Not on the list. Stephen Curry. He's third. Okay. Uh, Who does the most having the ball the least? Kyle Corver. He's four. Said the most. Who does – say that one more time. The best player moving without the ball. Essentially, who does the most having the ball the least? Giannis. Clay Thompson. Oh, right. Clay Thompson, 53%. Right. That makes sense. Now that I'm thinking about him, yeah. Second is J.J. Redick. Third, Stephen Curry. Fourth, Kyle Korver. Fifth, why LeBron James? He has the ball all the time. Exactly. I guess he does Which- without it. <laughs> <laughs> Which player is the best passer in the league? LeBron James. LeBron 
James. Who's second? Probably not true. Uh, I think it's Ben Simmons, probably. Ben Simmons is third. Okay, Kyrie. Kyrie is not on the list. Chris I wouldn't put Kyrie on a list of passers. Chris Paul. Chris Paul is second. Rajon Rondo is third. He's tied with Ben Simmons and John Wall. Really? Okay. Also getting some votes was Lonzo Ball, Steph Curry, and James Harden. And Ricky Rubio. Okay. I'm surprised that uh, Milos Teodosic wasn't on there. That's because he's not a big name. You know what this is all about, man. It's half this list. These, these votes are based off of popularity, just like an all-star game. You know, These are GMs, man. They're supposed to know. Look, and all that stuff is still politics, too. You know what this yeah. is. Milos is probably one of the best wizards with the ball, just like Rondo. If we're talking about pure passing, I wouldn't put LeBron number uh, at the top. I just think there's plenty of better passers than him. But because of who he is, it, 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 it's only right for them to put him at the top or close to the top. Oh, yeah, I mean, I believe LeBron's a great passer. It's just, like you said, there's – I can think of others. Yeah. Which bench player makes the biggest impact when he enters the game? Let's see. Uh, Bobby Portis. Okay. All right. So you, you want me to stop the podcast here, right? I'm being honest. I think he he does have a huge impact when he enters the game. Uh, okay. Well, let's see who's uh not in the starting man of the year. Actually, I kind of forgot. Is it Andre Iguodala? Iguodala's third. Lou Williams is number one. Eric Gordon number two. Okay. Iggy number three. Terry Rozier and Marcus Smart are tied for fourth. Okay. Yeah, I could see uh, Scary Terry. Also receiving votes, Will the Thrill Barton and Fred Van Vliet. There's a big push for Van Vliet. He must have paid some money out to somebody. Yep. <laughs> Who is the toughest player in the NBA? Draymond Green, supposedly. He's fourth. DeMarcus Cousins. DeMarcus Cousins is not on the list. Okay. Uh, Avery Bradley. Not on the list. Steven Adams. What? Steven Adams. Just, okay. wasn't, just because he has control over the fishes in the sea doesn't mean that he's the, he's the toughest. <laughs> and this is his second year in a row being voted the toughest player in the league. He was tied for first last year. Uh, LeBron James is second. Wow. Okay. LeBron James and Marcus Smart. What do these do? Okay, I can see Marcus, but honestly, I think a lot of these guys are just TV thugs. Avery Bradley is is legit real. Zach Randolph is legit real. DeMarcus looked like him knocked somebody's head off. What are we talking about here? Oh, we're gonna get to some uh to some to some real dudes in a second. I mean, Steven Adams is a real dude, man. I mean I, yeah, uh, I wouldn't be my first about it. Choice though. He's about it. That's the last dude I would swing on. Steven Adams is about it. Yeah. Uh, also getting some votes. Fourth tie for fourth is Draymond Green and James Johnson. 
Yes, James Johnson definitely was. Uh, he looks like a, a a a guy that just is a slum slum lord. James Johnson is a karate man. Karate man bleed on the inside. <laughs> also receiving some votes. Some other dudes that I wouldn't mess with: Aaron Baines, okay. PJ Tucker. Yep. And also, also getting some votes are some Hollywood thugs like Jimmy Butler and Russell Westbrook. Man, please get out of here. Russell Westbrook looks like he wouldn't back down from anybody, but Jimmy, no. Jimmy's a, a, a superstar. Chris Paul is on the list, too. Movie actor goes. Chris Paul and Patrick Beverly also on the list. Beverly, yes. Chris Paul, I don't know about that. Chris Paul's just sneaky. Yeah. He's he's the most like Isaiah Thomas of anybody I've seen. Yeah. Which is like, dude, you sneaky. And like, I want to punch you in your throat, but there's bigger guys on your team who will probably swing on me. And you know that. Which player is the best leader? Chris Paul. He's second. LeBron James. You know it. Yep, I know it. But not by much. 30% for LeBron, Chris Paul, 27%. Stephen Curry right there at 23%. Al Horford and Dame Lillard got some votes at in fourth place. Also receiving votes, Udonis Haslam, Kemba Walker. Okay. Notably, notably not on this list is the leader, Jimmy Butler. He is the leader. Yes, he is. He is a man of his own team. Who is the most versatile player in the NBA? Giannis. He's second. LeBron. Yes. I don't. I don't get this. But anyway. LeBron's first by far, 63%. Giannis is second. Kevin Durant third. Draymond Green is fourth. <laughs> Which player has the best basketball IQ? LeBron James. LeBron James by far, 70%. Chris Paul is second. Who do you think is third? Oh. Too smart for his own good. Too smart for his own good? Russell Westbrook? No. Rajon Rondo. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah, Russell Westbrook, IQ? Oh, yeah, I guess. Okay. Not Russ Smash. <laughs> Stephen Curry and Al Horford also got votes. Game on the line. Who do you want taking the shot? Stephen Curry. He is number two. James Harden. He is number five. Kevin Durant. Yep, Kevin Durant's number one. Stephen Curry's number two. LeBron James, number three. Kyrie Irving is number four. That should be switched because LeBron would also rather Kyrie take the last shot. And James Harden, number five. Okay, as far as GMs go, this is a little, a, a bit of a iffy, tough one. As far as GMs go, what rule do you think they wanted to change most regarding play, draft, lottery, or playoff format? What rule do you think they wanted to change? Uh, the draft uh, ball, the, the way the draft is going to be uh, handled. That's number two. Number one was playoff seating. They want the one to 16. Okay. 
Number three was fewer games on the schedule. Number four was being more open with draft medical information and the combine process and getting rid of the one-and-done rule. So that was uh, what we have for the GM survey. I always look forward to it, man, because, again, I, I like to – you know, I'm an information guy. I like to know what the GMs around the league are thinking, yeah. where their headspace is at. And as you can see, a lot of them are still locked in on LeBron James. Yeah. Some, some, a lot of it is rightful, but some of it is just like, uh, you didn't know what to say, so you said LeBron. Yeah, a lot of it's cop-out information. A lot of those things just don't make any sense. Yeah, but it's good to see that the Bulls are viewed as an up-and-coming team, uh, potential threat. Again, and, and we'll get in-depth with this next week. But again, I think the Bulls will make the playoffs. So, we've going we've gone from the part of the podcast that I truly enjoy, talking about the GM uh, survey to the part that you, the fan, enjoy. The Grub Report. That's right. Oh, man, please come on with it. I've been waiting for this for about a week and a half. I got a spot. Let's do it. Go ahead. Fire. Shoot. What do you got for us, Jordan? <laughs> well, I am going to set my sights on a place I didn't actually go, but they came to my job. So past couple of days, about, I want to say, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, uh, our job has had a safety, what's called a safety stand-down. Really, it's just a fancy way of saying that all of the uh, higher-ups and the, the vice president and some of the leaders of the gas company come to the different shops and they speak on safety and how important safety is on and off the job. Uh, they also talked about different things like stretching techniques, how it's good for your health and, you know, proper eating and things of that nature. And then we proceeded to eat good, but unhealthy food uh, from a catering company. And that company is called Kurt's Barbecue. Hertz Barbecue is, oh, God. Sorry, I have to compose myself. Kurt's Barbecue is amazing. Um, wait, 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 wait. Is this is this the Kurtz? I believe so. It might be the Kurtz. Like, first time I've had it. Like the boss Kurtz? Does he have the boss sauce? I, I don't know if it is the boss sauce. All I can say is this the best sauce I've ever had on the rib. Was it a black guy in a chef's hat? No. On the front of the sauce. No, this is a white guy. He, he, he actually came to our our, our, our uh, job, and he he, uh, he catered to us. He, he, he served everybody. He kept coming out with pans of macaroni and cheese and coleslaw and uh, Hawaiian roll bread that you could put this, this awesome – just tender pulled pork in between those two pieces of bread and smash it down. You had yourself a paradisaic flavor in your mouth. Then the ribs. Oh, my goodness. The ribs were on another level. I don't know what it is that he he put in that combination of sauce. It, w it was good. I, I can't even explain how it tastes or what it tastes like, 
it was just a sauce that I've never ever had. It was a blend that I've never ever tasted when it comes to barbecue sauce. Please go check out Kurt's Barbecue and also the uh, smoked chicken. They had smoked chicken as well all three days, which was extremely good. There you go. I didn't know we were doing job catering, but I can throw that in there. Oh, well, yeah. I I, I mean, I didn't go anywhere for the last three days. I volunteered uh, uh, one of the days, and then I had another day where I actually was assigned to stay there and listen to the the stand down, the safety meeting. So uh, two out of the three days, I was actually at the job. I didn't really travel. And the day that I did go out and do work, I didn't really have money to spend on any food. So uh, I didn't really have any, you know, any new place outside of that that I can bring up today. Uh, I'll probably get back on it before next podcast. But uh, yeah, man, that 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 Kurt's barbecue. Oh, we're not angry at you. It's just you just opened up other avenues. That's all. So the establishment that I'd like to recommend is on Calumet Avenue. And I believe that's Munster, Indiana. Okay. It's called True. Okay. True. True, like two chains would say. True. And at True, this is a barbecue and whiskey bar establishment. Bar and grill, like it's 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 like it's like a mature establishment, you know. It, it, they have just a a vast selection of whiskeys and solid solid barbecue, good portion sizes. And on Wednesdays they have Whiskey Wednesday, so the whiskey, if I'm not mistaken, if nothing's changed, is half price. I've been there once. I had. The best Cuban sandwich I've ever had in my life at True. I have yet to go back since because they're a little on the pricey side. I will I will state that they are a little on the pricey side, but not, you know, break the bank pricey. But it's not somewhere you can take your family of four or five unless you got got a little grip on. You. But. It's, it's a nice little, it's really not a place for kids being a whiskey bar anyway, but it's a nice little mellow spot, whiskey bar, good barbecue, good sauce, great Cuban sandwich, great Cuban sandwich. This, what'd you say? No, I said, man, I'm with that. Last time I had a Cuban sandwich, I was, uh, I was in Miami and, uh, that was probably the best Cuban sandwich I've had because it's right by Cuba, and there's a lot of uh, that type of sandwich uh, down in that area, but uh, I will definitely put that on the list. I love a good Cuban. I was going to say, your sandwich was probably made by a Cuban. (laughs) They probably named it after that Cuban. Yeah, right, right, right. (laughs) But, you know, I'm not sure if a Cuban made my sandwich, but it was delectable. Long as it's good, brother. As long as it's good. And then if you like whiskey, they have a vast array of whiskeys. I believe I had like a vanilla cask. It has like a vanilla to the cask that the whiskey was was distilled in and stored. So Okay. A little tasty. Okay. Oh, yeah. 
various varieties. They give you they give you like a little guide. There's a little booklet full of whiskeys. So you can't you can't suffer from whiskey boredom with a booklet. You know, so if you're ever in the mood to read a booklet of whiskey, have a good Cuban sandwich. Go to True Calumet Avenue, Munster, Indiana. You, a couple of fellas, go there, take a couple of sips, take in a game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can you give me a couple more? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Design for men, Jordan. <laughs> Design for men. That's hilarious. But you can take your lady, of course. You know, you take your lady, man. It's a nice little spot to take the lady to. But it's a mature spot. I wouldn't recommend taking a bunch of kids, you know. Thank goodness I don't have any. Oh, I'm I'm sorry, Chris. Sorry. That's fine. I love my children. Hey, hey, hey. I don't mean I hate kids. I love my children. <laughs> they are they are the reason I work. <laughs> I would I would think so. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> that was they get bigger and bigger and they continue to take more and more of my money, both directly and indirectly. See, this is the reason why we need to keep coming up with different spots, man, so you can run away and have your own food. True. <laughs> true. Go to true. Go to true. That's gonna close us out, man. We had a great episode. Uh, thanks for your patience for waiting for us to come back from our week off. Uh, you know, Jordan is out here in these streets. He's he's eating spicy ramen noodles and it's putting them uh, out of commission. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You didn't mind me throwing it out there, did you? No, I, actually, I'm thankful that I'm still alive. You know, that, that, that took me out for a minute. Uh, I will never, ever do that again. Just side note. Whatever you do, do not try the two times or the three or four times. Whatever, how many times, spicy challenge. Had no idea that is the noodles we bought. We just happened to buy it by chance and uh, almost burned my tongue off. So, yeah, don't, don't, definitely don't do that. Oh, my goodness, dude. It was, there were too many characters on there that I didn't understand. There was only one English word on that whole package. And a bunch of other characters from China or Japan or wherever that's up Absolutely. They eat that stuff on the regular. Everything over there is spicy, has a lot of spice in it. So they're used to that. I almost died. I'm pretty sure they don't. I'm pretty sure they don't. I'm pretty sure that's a joke that they're playing on America. I don't know, man. I t- <sighs> Look, whatever the case may be, I almost died. So thankfully, I'm still here and the podcast lives on and I can co-host with uh, your, your, your buddy Chris and uh, my brother. But, uh, yeah, I, I will not be uh, doing that ever again in my life. Glad to have you, Jordan. Don't ever make that mistake again. I like spicy, but I, I just I don't like the guesswork of trying to read uh, some Japanese language. <laughs> I picked up some ghost pepper, so I'm going to see what that's all about. Yeah, you know what it's all about, all right. Yeah, so... A buddy of mine at work gave me some ghost peppers, so I'm going to try those out. Have fun. Let me know. Sparingly. Sparingly. I'm not... I don't have anything to prove anymore. Like I said, I got two kids. (laughs) But we had a good podcast. Follow us. 
social media at Stay Oz Podcast, Instagram at Stay Oz Podcast, Twitter. I'm thinking of going Facebook. Okay. Hey. Just in, just in time for your grandma to start following us and listening to the show. Hey, we, we accept all ages, babies too. Yeah. Get, your boy, get your baby started early on the great legendary podcast. The legendary Stay Oz Podcast is age appropriate for all ages. Until we talk about food, then there might be a little bit of uh, censorship. Only when Calvin's around. <laughs> the best. <laughs> but it's, it's, we're like a Parker Brothers gang. We, any age. We invite any age. <sighs> yeah, so for now, until we get Facebook started up, Instagram, Twitter, follow us. We don't want the people who are offering to give us 50,000 followers, organic followers, follow us. I've been Chris. Been here with Jordan. I'll let you next time. All right. <laughs>